Today's episode is brought to you by the Reese Hotel in Queenstown. Now is the time to book your five-star hotel stay at the Reese Hotel in Queenstown, proudly New Zealand owned and operated. With stunning lake and mountain views, courtesy town shuttles, a private beach and jetty access, and staff that'll blow your socks off with their impeccable service, it's definitely not your average weekend getaway. Guests can experience the talents of Chef Corey Hume at True South Dining Room for some exquisite locally sourced produce or their lobby bar with the award-winning wine cellar bursting with local and international vintages or simply work your way through their cocktail list. Perhaps if the mood strikes, uh, break out the in-house Bentley Continental for a quick lakeside spin or an airport pickup with a difference. The video you're seeing now, I took over the weekend with my stay up there. This is the view from one of their balconies. While all the rooms come with balconies and heaps of space to enjoy these views, now is the time to book your weekend getaway with a special discounted price. Book now via the hotel website. That's the race, T-H-E-R-E-E-S.co.nz. Use the promo code COVID-19, one word, to receive a special offer of 10% off any accommodation. That's thereese.co.nz and use the promo code COVID-19 for your getaway. The Behemoth Brewing Company presents the Department of Conversation with Pat Brittenden. Behemoth, give me something hoppy. Well, you might know her from uh, numerous TV appearances, uh, comedian extraordinaire, uh, awards out the wazoo. In fact, congratulations on an award just uh, on the week gone. Uh, they call it the, the Guildies. What's the name of the awards that they've just, uh, they just hold? Yeah, it's the Guildies. It's the New Zealand Comedy Guild Awards. So it's our like, kind of like our work award, say, I suppose. It's all like the, most people say it's like the Oscars. Most people who are doing award, they're like, yeah. it's like, it's like the Oscars of comedy. Yeah, just say that. it's basically, basically the Oscars. Basically, yeah. Exactly. Basically the Oscars. And what did you win? Um, I got Breakthrough Comedian for the Upper North Island. Very cool. So it's kind of like cool. cricket. Yeah. You've got an Upper North Island, yeah. you've got a Central District, you've got a Wellington Comedian. Yeah. Nice. And then I bet, yeah, there's, I bet you there's just one for the South Island, isn't there? Is there just one for the South yeah, Island? Yeah, there is. Yeah, there is. Yeah. I don't get that. I never understand that. That's like, you know, we'll go Auckland and North. We'll go Auckland down to Topor. Yeah. We'll go Topor to Wellington. We'll go Wellington. And then we'll go all of the fucking South Island. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's like Upper North Island, which is, I guess, just kind of Auckland upwards maybe. And yep. then it's um, Lower North Island and then and then South Island. But, the yeah, the um, I'm from Christchurch. I started in my, um, my career in Christchurch and – uh, the scene was definitely a lot smaller then. It's bigger now, but it's small but strong, I would say. Um, just because of your age, does that mean you were starting kind of in and around maybe not long after the earthquakes in Christchurch? They must have been fairly close to when you were sort of kicking your kicking your career off? Um, no, I started in 2016, but I oh, okay. I was in my last year of high school when the um, when the um, earthquakes happened. So I was 18. 17, 17 when the February one happened. I'm 28 now. Yeah. Yeah, madness. I mean, it's interesting how people's uh, personal experience impact and, and influence their their comedy or their art in general. I noticed yeah. uh, I was watching a video of you the other day and I enjoyed very much you doing a cooking show 
and one of the first things you said is now what's a food processor again i thought that was quite a nice mix of uh of, of a, it's like I, I was just imagining someone like doing a cricket show and go now what are what are wickets again what is the oh yeah part of it that's also what I would say if I was watching cricket. I, I'm not a fan of cricket. I don't like <laughs> their outfits. I thought so. if you came from uh, Christchurch, you had to be a sport a sports fan, no matter what. That was the rules. I like. Um, I don't mind rugby. Don't mind a bit of rugby. I, my high school boyfriend's family had um, season passes for the Crusaders, and that was the year that Sonny Bill played. So that's how I got into rugby. Become very, very invested. Um, but I, I don't really. I think I don't care about sports, but if I'm watching them, I'm like the most invested in, in it that I've ever been in anything in my life. I'm and interested not. to have a chat with you about what you do for a job, what you do mm-hmm. for a living, uh, comedian. Actually, uh, someone said to me this last night, I had this whole conversation with someone about what what is a female comedian called these days? Because, you know, we go through that transitional period of what a yeah. – it Because it used to be a comedian, yeah. and then everyone was comedians. And like at the awards, was there – male female categories and the awards just gone or was it just comedian full stop yeah they had um they had there was only one category that's like segregated so it was best female comedian and best male comedian um but other than that it's all just best best joke or best um like online presence stuff like that so um but they're looking yeah they're looking at doing like um i guess they're trying they're trying to figure out how to make it more inclusive of like the LGBTQ community and um, in terms of like the gender separation of the awards. Um, but I'm not really sure. I'm not in charge of that. <laughs> oh, um, okay. I so, thought you were. <laughs> no, no, I'm not in charge of anything, which is probably for the best, I think. Um, it's fascinating, isn't yeah. it? Because we're, we're, we're doing that at the moment with, like we, yeah. we joked about the Oscars before, is, it, is there going to be a stage where it's just actor, full stop, everyone's in yeah. it? And if there is... Yeah. What does that mean? Does that mean one, one sex as opposed to gender will dominate yeah. or not? I, I don't know. It's 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 a yeah. fascinating time. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, the whole thing is like, um, it's a delicate delicate situation. I think I I don't want there to just be one category because then I have less of a chance of winning. So that's, <laughs> I'm very, very selfish. Um, but I think yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think yeah, I think in terms of like. I prefer to be called a comic, um, like rather than female comedian. But I'll talk about, um, yeah, the term female comedian. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of because it seems like there's comedians and then there's like the girls, you know. So yeah, um, when you know, I'm better than every man I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I yeah. So, but then I I will use that term term if I'm talking about, um, like the girls I work with, I suppose. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I probably, there needs to be a better way of saying it. I think that doesn't sound so like female. Yeah. Cause you wouldn't say like female doctor or female. Um, no, but I you're actually, just, you're just a doctor. Yeah. I, one time I did have this woman come up to me after a gig and she was telling me some story or something and it was funny. And then she was like, yeah. And I don't, she was a doctor and she's like, yeah. And I don't usually like female comedians, but I thought you were really good. And I was like, I was going to be like, do people come up to me and go, I usually like female doctors, but you're really good. Like, it's an insane thing to say to someone. Um, I don't usually like male podcast hosters, but I think you're doing a really good job, sweetie. Well, like, it, it's so condescending, you know? Um, it's yeah. a strange thing. I used, to, I used to work in radio for a long time, 
And you'd often get people say, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't listen. And you're like, I don't give I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I don't care. If you're, I don't. I don't care if you don't listen. It's like it's not like yeah. they work for Coke, and I go, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I drink Pepsi," which I do. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know. <laughs> but the other the other thing is about comedians in general, or comics, whichever we're going to mm. use, is that I've I've witnessed. I used to um, have a friend, and I guess we're still friends, but I haven't seen him for twenty years. That's one of those tw- in our twenties we were mates, and we went on different paths. Yeah. We went to Europe yeah. and rich and famous. And da, da, da. Um, <laughs> he was an opera singer. And I can still remember going to a rugby game actually and having been sitting next to him. We were in the terraces, we were quite close to the ground, so maybe only you know 10, 15 rows back. And Mike King was like hosting a halftime thing. And my mate was screaming out, You fucking, you're useless. Oh, what a terrible girl, fuck off. This and I was sitting there just going, Would would Mike King come to one of your opera performances? And stand up in the seventh row and start because it's the same. He's he's at work right yeah, now, yeah, yeah. and you're watching him at work. You know, it's just it was it was quite a surreal moment. And that's and I mean, like I'm not even someone who like I, I worked in, in at ZB for a long time, and that's the the place, the one radio station in New Zealand that you probably get more complaints and more interactions with people than anywhere <laughs> else. It's a good job, in opinion, you know. Um, yeah, totally. And, and so I don't, I don't, I don't particularly care about it. But watching other people do it, when I say I don't care, like I don't care about people doing it towards me who who have in the past. But right. watching someone else do it, you're like, this doesn't make any logical sense. Yeah, it's kind of, and it's just so, I don't know. I guess because comedy is kind of like that too. It's it's a job of opinion, like, and so yeah, people don't, people will tell you while you're on stage if they like your opinion or not and sometimes they just tell you by not laughing or um sometimes they yeah, yell shit out at you um, but, that's the, but that's the appropriate way to tell you the appropriate way to tell you yeah. is to not laugh i mean i'm sure you see them i don't know you're in the industry yeah. i don't know whether this makes you cringe or you love them but i love i i, I love seeing when a you know a particular person in the crowd will stand up at a at a, at a comic and saying you're offending me and you're like this is this is what yeah, they do, yeah. and the other hundred and forty nine people in the room aren't being offended, but the yeah. show is now stopped because you're offended by something that was said that was a joke. I love something Dave Chappelle yeah. said a wee while ago, where the people agree or disagree with his thoughts. He was talking about being trolled on Twitter. That's in his latest special, and he goes, "But I don't give a fuck because Twitter's not a real place." And I'm like, "What yeah. a beautiful thing to say because it's so true <laughs> that just because yeah. you've got one of these." that has access yeah. to the internet and the world technically can see your message. It doesn't mean your message is worthy of the world seeing, but people don't seem to understand. Yeah. yeah I think well, everyone, it's so easy to express your opinion online. Like, and um, yeah, I think everyone thinks that because everyone kind of has a platform now. So everyone thinks they're, opinion is, is important all the time and some people's opinions <laughs> aren't worth shit but a lot of the time it's like the loudest ones like anti-vaxxers and stuff they're so loud but like 90% of 90 whatever percent of our country is vaccinated so obviously they're not the majority um and yeah I think like it depends on what it is because I've seen <laughs> oh my favorite though is if someone is saying something really fucked up and someone stands up and yells at them. I'm like, this is really funny because it's often happens to newer comics who don't know. They don't know how to like. I think it happens a lot with male comics. Will start 
um, when they start and their favourites are like Chappelle or Anthony Jezelnik or whatever and like people who do take on delicate or touchy sub- subjects and like even, you know, Chappelle's stuff hasn't been received that warmly recently but he's, a, you know, he's one of the best of the best of all time and like people start comedy and they think they're at that level on their first gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll talk about something pretty touchy or and they're trying to be ironic but they don't know how to they don't have the skill set or the self awareness to do it properly and they will eat shit so hard. And majority of the time they're just the audience is just sitting there like, oh and you're just like, This is like it's you're watching someone learn a very tough lesson. Um in front of a big crowd and sometimes they never come back and which could be for the best and sometimes they figure it out and know how to do that properly which is also good but um yeah there was one guy who was just he was really I was like hosting a raw night which is like newbies and yeah yeah um he was really nice backstage and I wasn't really listening but I I um got on on sorry he was on stage and I heard him going um like just a chorus of women going no no and um (laughs) And he was like, he said something and this woman just goes, um, racism and sexism are not funny, like stands up. And he goes, ma'am, I was being f- facetious. Statistically, this half of the room are wife beaters. And, and the, everyone was like, this woman was like, nope. And he was like, okay, thanks. It's been my time and got off stage. And I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. But I was like, also now I have to fix it. Um, <laughs> um, and it, it was fine. But I was like, Jesus. I kind of, I, yeah, watching someone learn that lesson is pretty funny but I think yeah majority of the time if people are offended they'll just like they'll leave or they'll just sit there not laughing which is definitely like people know but then sometimes sometimes people laugh because the person who says something so shocking that that's their like response rather than it being funny and then the guys with no self-awareness will come off stage and go oh like killed it and I'm like if I just, if my jokes got the response your jokes just got, I would quit comedy. <laughs> like, I would be like, oh, that was the roughest gig of my life. And some people were like, yeah, got up. Like, no, no you didn't. <laughs> like, the only person you got was yourself <laughs> by saying well, that. Some comedians, but this again, it's, it's, it's probably what you're saying about the newbies come on board and think they're the shit. Like, like yeah, Jeselnik yeah. is someone who goes out almost to offend. It's almost kind of part of what he wants yeah. to do. But then you look at, and I'm, and I'm sure people who know comedy, and if you don't, just look it up. I think it's called, uh, I, I think it's Bill Burr Boston where he spends oh. 13 minutes abusing the audience at the right time, at the right moment. Like yeah. when you, you were talking about, you just said, gave the example about how the person stood up and said, you know, sexism and racism is never funny. I'm like, I don't, I don't agree with that statement um, personally because yeah. Yeah. it depends how, why, and when, you know, yeah, let's say you're in a someone was in a church meeting and it was a lovely Christian audience or something. Yeah, then perhaps, yeah. mind you, there might be some clan messages that would be quite appropriate there. But let, but you know, there may not be an appropriate time for every effing and blinding and that thing. But yeah, other places yeah. there were and and yeah. So if people haven't, I'll, I'll try and link it on the Facebook page. But if people haven't seen it, basically, I've heard Bill Burr tell the story of what happened on that night. In fact, I heard Bob Saget, recently departed Bob Saget, yeah. um, talk about being backstage when Bill Burr was doing that on stage. And Bill Burr came off stage and thought he had ruined his career. And Bob Saget was saying he was telling um, Bill it was the best thing he'd ever heard because it yeah. was the right 
time and the right reason and the right moment to tell this audience that they're a bunch of douchebags for these yeah. reasons. And, and it was hilarious. And if you listen to it at the start of, I think it's about 13 minutes at the start of it, he's getting lots of booze. And, he, and even though the end of it, he's, He's even harsher towards them. He's basically flipped the whole audience, and they're all laughing because they they're coming yeah. along now. They think it's hilarious. Yeah. So. And yeah, that's the thing is, like, sometimes the audience does just suck shit. <laughs> There's nothing you can do, or you can go like Bill Hur and just go nuts at them. That's I. That's I need to listen to that clip. That's one of my favorite ones because and he keeps just yelling. He's going like eight minutes. Yeah. Like, I've got fifty minutes. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I said. It's so funny, and I think everyone was like bombing that night and it was like a crazy lineup like really great comedians and everyone was having a hard time which was this really rowdy boston audience who was just like drunk as shit and didn't care um and sometimes sometimes you can power through that i mean not in a boston stadium but sometimes you can power through drunk people kind of chit-chatting um but when it's like that level you just gotta start putting people in their place and i think I think the uh, I think the group I think the audience had basically treated the comics prior to Bill like they were horse shit, and Bill yeah. was like, "This is not this is a moment where actually these guys don't suck." Like Patrice O'Neill was there, and people who know comedy, yeah. Patrice O'Neill is like legend. He's like a he's like one of the original OGs in his style of of, yeah. of comedy. He was there, and he apparently got on and got off. And he was like, "I'm not doing this crowd," yeah. and so Bill yeah, was yeah. just like, "Enough is enough." So. Yeah, it's Funny. such it's such an iconic set. It comes up a lot when we're talking about um, people bombing because I wouldn't consider that a bomb. Like he just no. goes handies on it. It's so funny. Um, yeah, it's a great set. Here, here's something else that's interesting because the conversation we were having before about about the noise on Twitter and that kind of stuff and the people making the noise, and and you said that the um you know the Dave Chappelle's not being received that warmly at the moment, mm. but I think. I think that the audience, I, I just had a look while we were talking at, at Rotten uh, Rotten Tomatoes, not that it's the be all and end all. And I think that the audience, like this, this is the closer, this is the latest, the audience score is 95%. Yeah. And I wonder, and I know this can be, you know, it can be a, a whole bunch of people skewing the numbers and stuff. Yeah. But I do, wonder, I do wonder sometimes about, you know, on one hand, it's, I've got like seven things in a row that we've talked about that I want to reference back to. When we, yeah. when we listen to the, the extremities, like you were talking about the anti-vaxxers, the extremities make a lot of noise, but it's not often representative of what's going on. And an example yeah, of that is yeah. the anti-vaxxers. Like I, I messaged Family First today because they put something else about dividing the country. And I just simply said, where 90% of people think one thing and yeah, 5% yeah. think another, that's not division, that's consensus with some outliers. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, 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 but, but, that group is making a lot of noise. I also thought it was hilarious. I, I'm probably going to tweet it out later today that, you know, family first will, will have a, um, will do research and they'll go like 55% of New Zealand wants to be able to smack their kids. That's a majority government. Why aren't you listening to the majority? Yet in this case, yeah. 10% are disagreeing and they're going like, yeah. why 10%? It's like, you know, you, yeah. you can't have it both ways. So no. I think, I think, a, I think a big part of this conversation is also drilling down into what is the truth? Like with Chappelle, and I and I'm not giving yeah. an answer here necessarily, is he off the mark in his comedy stance? Is he wrong? And has it not been well received? Or are that just those loud voices from the edges who yeah. are saying that? And actually, the fans who are just kind of sitting in the middle, just taking in the content, love it. I, I, yeah. I mean the numbers would say that the fans love it, unless they're skewed, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's interesting. It's a very I, I'm not involved in comedy, but I'm a I yeah. mean a, you can probably hear I'm a 
pretty big student of it. You know, I, I keep yeah. an eye on it, I watch it, I love to uh, consume it. Um, yeah. I think it's a really interesting time because there are, you know, and you've already talked about, we've already talked about, you know, people being offended in the audience. There are comedians who are doing things like, you know, they won't perform at certain places or uh, yeah. they do certain skits. And and there are other comedians who are like, nothing's off. Nothing's off. You know, I can do, I can yeah. talk about anything I want. Don't care what you say. I, I'm, I'm telling jokes and I can talk about whatever I want. And it's a, it'll be interesting yeah. to see this transition which one of those two position wins out if either maybe they'll both still be there yeah i think so i mean there's definitely always comics who are yeah willing to do whatever i think i think the thing is you can talk about whatever you want on stage you can say whatever you want but you have to be prepared to deal with the backlash of whatever fucked up shit you're talking about like and i think <laughs> so i think if yeah if you want to i don't know yeah you have to be if you're going to say something, you have to be prepared to back it up or apologize, depending, you know, depending on what you said and how much you believe in it. Um, but you've got to, you're the one who's going to say it. So you're going to have to deal with the concept. It's a free speech thing. People are like, you can't say anything these days. It's like, no, 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 you can still say stuff, but there's just more consequences. Um, so that's what I think. I think you can say anything you like, but you're going to be the one to deal with it if it goes pear-shaped, you know? Um yeah, so I think, I mean, I haven't watched Chappelle's special because I just think it was going to make me mad. I just, I think that, like, trans people are one of the most, like, marginalised groups of people and have, like, really bad suicide rates, really bad, um, like, trans black women have the highest murder rate of any group. Um, and I just think, to sh what's the point of shitting on them for an hour? Like, we, how does that make, like... How, how does that make you like how does that make your life better you know like I think and I, I think I also I was gonna watch it and then I heard from a few people it's just not um like there's not many jokes in it too which I think that's the most offensive thing to me like if you're gonna <laughs> talk shit you better make it fucking funny like you can't just talk yeah if you're gonna get paid however many millions for a Netflix special comedy special make it and it's going to be really like harmful to a particular group of people, make it really funny. Like I just think, and I, that's why I think the audience ratings is like, it's the same as people tanking like Amy Schumer's um, like stuff on the you black, know, movies the black, or whatever. The black special on Netflix. That's what they did it with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's same thing as people tanking that before it's even come out or whatever. Just, and I think people supporting Chappelle because they're like, yeah, he's like, you know, speaking his truth or whatever like they haven't watched it yet or whatever they might not have even watched it but i think yeah people love to support um people who are doing harmful stuff like you know donald trump and stuff like i think it's i don't know i, think, I, I probably I, I, should watch the special but yeah i think you I should i think you certainly should because i've i've watched it i i mean i'm not i'm not part of the lgbti community so i can't mm. speak to it from being on the inside out um I, I think, as is usually the case, whatever perspective someone has, normally the the Twitter art, Twitter artsy and the bloggers, yeah, you know, yeah. most comedy sets don't trans uh, don't transpose well into the written word, you know, yeah, without the yeah. sideways look and the wink of the eye or the you know whatever it yeah. doesn't. I'm not saying that 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 Dave should, uh, Dave, like I know him, Mr. Chappelle should, um, <laughs> but, I, but I do also think, you know. I, obviously, the stats that you're talking about to do with the trans community are very real, com completely, mm. 100%, without. 
But what I don't quite see is Ricky Gervais making a joke about uh, Caitlyn Jenner being a bad driver actually yeah, yeah. adds to that. So I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. I actually thought that was a genius joke because the reason that was a genius joke was he was actually saying he he was actually being sexist towards women and including Caitlyn Jenner <laughs> in that group. Right. You're basically yeah. saying you're a woman and you've just yeah. killed somebody in a car. That's not so good for women driving stats. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. But, but people, again, took offense yeah. because it was I, – I just don't think there's these protected groups. Well, I don't think there should be these protected groups because I've said this for a long time. And for people who have listened to my podcast, I'm sorry if I'm about to repeat myself, but if you give me the rules, I'm actually okay to live by the rules. If you give me the rules mm. – I mean, yeah, within reason, unless they're ridiculous or against any kind of freedoms we have. But give me the rules. I'm a nice person. I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. I don't want to make yeah. someone feel bad. But at the moment, we're going through this time where, for example, you, you know, the representation one in films and having Lin-Manuel Miranda having to apologize for In the Heights, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm like, um, if, if that's the path we're going to go, right? Yeah. So only, only trans people can tell trans jokes. If that's the rules, that's fine. That means yeah. women stop telling jokes about men. Lesbians stop telling jokes about straight men. You know, yeah. white people stop telling jokes about Mexicans. Mexicans stop telling jokes about white people. You know, it's like you, you, what we can't do is have yeah. a, a sector of society that says, leave them alone, but everyone else is free range. We either do that for yeah. everyone yeah. or we do it for no one. And I think you said freedom of speech. We don't really have freedom of speech in New Zealand like the Americans claim, but that's no, sort yeah. of sort of what it is to me. It's, it's an freedom of speech with strings attached is not freedom of speech. Yeah. And, well, I, and I, yeah. I'm, okay. I'm okay going down that path if that's what society decides. What I struggle with is I, I don't even want to talk about what group it is because there is good reasons for some groups to identify themselves as being more at risk. But to try and pull a group out and say, this is the untouchables, but everything yeah. else, that feels strange to me. And how I don't know how that would work. Yeah, well, I think it's just the concept, you know, like punching up and punching down. Yeah, totally. In comedy, yeah. So, like, there's a difference between, um, I guess, like, like you said, Mexican people making fun of white people, like a group who's been oppressed by another group making fun of the oppressors. oppressors. <laughs> um, there's a difference between that when it's like, and then, you know, a, like, multi-millionaire making fun of, like, making jokes because I think, it, it, there's like studies and stuff um that have shown that like that kind of like even though it's not like kill trans people like it can still lead to violence and like negative um like negative views and stuff on trans people which can be yeah can be become harmful in the real world so it's a difference between yeah this very very rich and famous man telling his views on netflix rather than like one person on their, twi their personal Twitter being like, Dave Chappelle hurt me. Like, you know, it's, it's just, there's a, there's a big power imbalance. It's when the power is way off, that's the thing that like, and I think some people think having consequences is the same as like getting the shit beaten out of you because you're trans. Like some people think people telling you, you did a bad joke and you should say sorry is the same as like, yeah, get, like, physical real world consequences happening to you rather than people telling you you're a dickhead like I think that's the thing is people who've never kind of faced pushback before are like uh, outraged and, and and really playing the victim hard out you know like I, mean, I don't want to I don't want to spend the day 
talking about Dave Chappelle and defending Dave no, Chappelle. No, no. <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah, many, yeah. but many could argue he has been that person. When he grew up as a, you know, a, a, as, as a as a black kid having to carry his books yeah. to school, and, a, and a, so he's a minority as well. Yeah, and then you kind of go, if he's a minority, but he's a millionaire, does that? that so yeah. I, I I actually read an article that talked about Dave Chappelle's white privilege, and oh. because basically <laughs> once you get wealthy, yeah. your blackness disappears. I'm like, well, hang on, if if we are we 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 are told constantly about my lived experience. His lived yeah, experience yeah. has been basically a take. I mean, I'm saying I'm not sitting here to de- to defend Dave Chappelle, but no, yeah, yeah. But, but I but I ingest this stuff on a daily. I love it, you know. It's I, yeah. this is what I'm into. You know, he was if you if you if you read the books, if you read his interviews, if you see what was done to him when he got into the uh, the industry, he was taken advantage. Yeah. Of oh, you know, so yeah. he, he's faced all those things as well. But now yeah, because definitely. because he's gone to Netflix and made sixty million for his first three. All of a sudden, all of that means nothing, and he's yeah. a he's a wealthy down puncher. You know, I just I mean, I'm not yeah. I'm not I'm not the subject of his of, of any of those jokes, so I, it's hard. Yeah, I'm not trying, yeah. to, but I, because this is what I do, I I I talk about things that are going on in the world. I talk with people like yourself yeah. who are better informed than me. I'm like, as a as a fucking moron sitting at the bottom of the world, I'm like, I I don't get it. Like, I don't. Here's yeah. here's one, and I'm. I'm going to talk about this, but because we brought him up, I went and grabbed it. Here's one here. I'm sure everyone's heard about Patton Oswald. Oh, taking I a, saw this. Taking a yeah. photo with Dave Chappelle, wrote a lovely comment on it about his friend of 25 years, and then Patton yeah. Oswald uh, got jumped on being for being a transphobe <laughs> because he took a photo yeah. with a quote, transphobe, <laughs> and he he apologized to the community for um for actually then taking a photo with his friend of 25 years. Yeah. And post- that to me, and again, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to speak to the idea of I understand, but that to me seems ludicrous. I mean, yeah, it's not like he was saying, here's my friend Dave Chappelle, fuck you trans tra- trans community. He was like, yeah. here's my friend 25 years, Dave Chappelle, period. That's the end of my yeah. sentence. Yeah. No, yeah. So um, I don't get it. I don't get any of that. Yeah. I don't know, maybe Maybe because I'm, um, you know, I guess I'm not a boomer. I'm Generation X, but perhaps we're not far away from being okay boomer to okay Gen X. Maybe that's gonna be the next thing. But um, but yeah, the I've I've said this for a long time on this podcast. I really don't feel like in this conversation we yet have the language in society to have this conversation properly. Like yeah, I don't, I don't feel like we know exactly enough about all of the subject matter to push through for the subject matter. And until like language and words are, I mean, you're a comedian, you're a wordsmith, right? But they are decided by society. You know, the no one said the word gay after the 1940s was only now going to be used for the uh, someone in the LGBT community. That was what the community decided, started to use, it naturally moved and morphed, and now no one thinks the word gay means happy, right? It means something yeah. else. But that, that wasn't an edict that came down from on high telling to yeah. society to change all their words. Now we're getting, edicts might be too harsh word, but we're getting direction as to what words to use for what. And it's it's not how language grows and evolves. You know, language grows mm. and evolves from us in the community starting to use and implement. And I, I think that's why we don't have the language yet because on one hand, and I'm not even talking any specific word, but we're being told mm. that this is acceptable and this is not, but the community hasn't taken that on board yet. And hasn't actually, it's yeah, not coming yeah. from the community, meaning all of society. 
in that direction. Yeah. It's like we've decided as a community that you know the, the F word for the gay community is inappropriate. Yeah, we've we decided yeah. that we didn't we we haven't been told today this is inappropriate. We've decided that yes, there are still some losers out there using it, but most of us in society agree that that's not an appropriate yeah. as, as, as is the n word yes some yeah. revolting people still use it but as a as a group we've decided and because we haven't as a group decided amongst some of these other things it's like we're having two conversations going past each other at the moment and i don't know how we're going to finish that conversation yeah well i think it's but i think it's just that thing of enough people within those minority communities say that's not cool to use this word anymore like because it's been used against us for years and years and you know while we were being beamed to death or whatever or whatever that's a pretty big thing but um and then it's taken the rest of society who isn't impacted by this to listen to that group so i think that so it's it's coming still from within the small communities um but it just takes a while for the rest of society to catch up but I, but I agree with that. But at the moment, it's not that we're being said that this word is really causing harm. It's like these 72 different words are no, now what yeah, must, yeah. Be used, must be used for everything. And if you get it wrong, I'm going to send a, a, a Twitter message to your employer to have you fired, followed by you know my thousand followers, which would then be followed by their thousand followers. And if you don't use my correct one of 72 words, then you're a bigot. Like it's, yeah. I don't even see how that's literally physically possible for society yeah. to do i think there's definitely people still view things in very black and white when it's very complex but i also think yeah i think it's best to be more sensitive to people because like i'd rather i know like i'd rather not hurt people's feelings or like make people feel shit so i definitely tend to err on the side of caution and some sure. people do like some people just are ignorant of that topic they just don't know they're not like chronically online like we are um <laughs> so they're seeing all this stuff and they don't they just don't know yet um and they want to learn and then some people go too hard but these people who go too like you've said this and you can't do that like they're coming probably coming from a place of like they're fucking fed up you know like they've been dealing with this shit their whole lives have been treated like shit and it's still you know really hard um yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a complex conversation and I think it's important to have these conversations like, um, civilly, like we're doing, you know, but. No, I, I, but think, I, think, you, I think you're right. I think yeah, you're right. I, I, also, think it is I fully understand. I think that more yeah. needs to happen. But I also think like, there's some shit where like, I've had that conversation with people civilly a few times and the next time, and I'd heard the same bullshit arguments a few times and by the time it gets to the next time, I can't be fucked. And yeah, I'm true. like, I can't be bothered because you're being a dumb cunt. <laughs> I can't be bothered with you. Like, that's not you, but, you know, like, that's the... No, no, no. It, I I'm definitely see how some people go hunt. Yeah, some people... Yeah, it's just... It's hard when it's delicate topics and not everyone has good communication skills or the brain power to understand why it's delicate. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, look, I, I think you're right. And I, I think that... I, I remember when I was working at ZB in the first part of this century... Uh, there were still conversations going on around global warming, climate change. Mm-hmm. And I remember as a host, I used to want to have these conversations because my listeners were having these conversations. And so I used to contact people like Greenpeace and they'd say to me, very black and white, I'm sorry, the science is settled. We're not going to be involved in a conversation where the opposing view goes out. Yeah, black and yeah, white, yeah. cut black. And I would say yeah. to them, in a really gentle way, I would say, you know, you're really lucky because you've, had the last several years 
with these conversations going on to form your opinion, to get to your yeah. place. What you're doing by not engaging is you're stopping people like me and a whole group of my listeners from actually hearing uh, hearing yeah. those conversations yeah. as well and being able to move forward. And I have a little bit of a fear at the moment. that I, I have another product called Elephant TV, which is a debate series. Um, and one of the things I'm trying to do is have these conversations because I'm a little bit concerned at the moment that we're starting to get, I'm not going to engage in that conversation. And whilst I agree for an individual's safety, own mental health, uh, you know, their own, their own, I guess, oneness being, being, you know, what they need for them, it's fine not to want to engage. I think those conversations still on some level need to have engagement because yeah. there is, this particular conversation that we're talking about is actually a massive conversation around water coolers at the moment and in community at the moment. And if a, a part of that conversation just drops out, then the rest of the, the rest of the community yeah. doesn't have the opportunity to be educated. And I think that's really dangerous. Yeah. I mean, the hard thing, the thing is, is it's just exhausting to have the same conversations over and over with people who aren't arguing in good faith and aren't arguing with like the, yeah, the best interests of like, for example, the trans community or whatever at heart and like all people who are arguing on behalf of like oil companies against global warming's a myth. Like it's because you're not arguing with people who actually care about that topic. They care about winning. And it's so fucking tiring to argue with someone who isn't going to take you on board, doesn't give a shit. And like, it just wants to win the argument and make you look like a fool. So it's, I definitely understand. And also there is so much research out there People are like, ugh, I guess the thing is though, people don't have good online media literacy. Um, and like, you know, I have I uh, went to uni and have a degree in communications, and one of our classes was about like, if this website ends in you know dot whatever, it's probably some scam bullshit blog. You know, like that's not actually coming from facts or scientists; it's coming from a lunatic. So it's like, um, yeah, it's especially older people I think have a hard time telling the difference between and then thing with fake news and they don't trust real yeah like or whatever it's oh and and Facebook looks real I mean have you heard the stat I can pull up the story if you want to see it that two-thirds of all the misinformation at the moment on Facebook has come from 12 people yeah that's crazy Oh, I, should, I should bring it up in case others haven't ever heard that. So two-thirds, there's 12 people. They have a name for them. Um, let me look this up. 12 people, uh, um, and I'll put um, um, COVID. I'll just put COVID. That'll probably find it. 12 people, COVID. Yeah. Um, there we go. The very first story from The Guardian, so it can be fairly trusted. Shall I bring it up? Uh, it's my choice. Yes, I'm happy. Uh, majority of COVID misinformation came from 12 people, report yeah. finds. The vast majority of COVID anti uh, vaccine misinformation and conspiracy theories originated from just 12 people, a report by the Center of uh, Conquering Digital Hate uh, cited by the White House this week found. Aww. So, yeah, that's that's the uh, the information um, that can that that can go, you know, a million miles an hour and go around and around. And, yeah. around and, around. and, and look, I think I, I, I agree with you. And I guess where I'm standing is I sit here and I go for the conversation that, that kind of has sprung out of this are uh, to do with, let's say, the trans community, which is what we're talking about. But this could be over many things. I, I, I kind of think where, where um, science is not yet in agreement, how can we in society? And I go like, 
the the social sciences, you know, psychology and, and various things are saying one oh, thing okay. about about that conversation and biology and physiology are saying something different. And I'm like, that's what I'm saying. We don't really have the words. And I feel like let's the academics and the community get to consensus and then we'll be able to have the conversation in in society. I mean, I'm not trying to farm yeah. it off. So it doesn't matter. It does matter. But I'm like, how can one be expected to have a conversation about what this all means when the people at the pointy end of the data, not the pointy end yeah. of the lifestyle necessarily, are still in print. I mean, we're not in disagreement about the the shape of the earth or gravity or, you know, climate change, those yeah. sorts of things. But there seems to still be, even within academia, not a consensus on this conversation. And, and that's where I kind of step back and go, like I was going to say, I can give you a, I can give you a little uh, a little trick for those tiring conversations. I'll give you a trick. This is what I say to people. I say, are you prepared to change your position in this conversation? So yeah, because if you yeah. give me new information, I'm prepared to change my position, whatever yeah. the conversation is. I say, are you prepared to change your position? And if they say no, I go, thanks, but I'm not looking for an argument. Yeah, cool. And if they say, yeah, 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 I'd, I'd like to know. I go, okay, well, let's have a talk about it. So I, I yeah. use that, you know, once, or, I was going to say once or twice a week. That's probably an exaggeration. A couple of times a month. I go to people, yeah. are, you, are you prepared? Are you actually, if I give you information, are you prepared to change your position? And if they say no, I go, it's nice, nice, to, nice oh. to have a chat. Yeah. yeah. Because there's no it's point. It's a good idea. Yeah, because I think I might, um, I don't know if some people say they want to learn and really they don't, but I don't know. I think for me, I just, the science, science and stuff can still take a while to catch up. I don't know, like, you know, and like, um the law and stuff like being gay was like a um you know was illegal for until like the 70s in New Zealand 80, and also 80, like 87 I think it 80s? was Jesus Christ. um I don't remember I wasn't born but um <laughs> the the um it was like a mental disorder for a long time too so like even that can be wrong and so I think for me what's important is to listen to trans people and people or people from the communities and what they're saying and take what they're saying on board because I'm not trans or gender diverse or anything. So I don't, um, even if I don't understand it, I just think like, I, I think I just always try and put myself in other shoes and think of a situation where I was in it and I can relate to the experience. Like, and for me, my only time experiencing um, gender dysphoria was when I was like a teenager and I was in, um, sterling sports and I needed some a pair of skins you know those like legging compression tights for soccer yeah yep. and there were some boys ones on sale and they had like a penis pocket in them and my mum wanted to my mum loves a bargain so she's like just get these <laughs> ones and I just felt this intense like I was upset and angry and I was like I don't have a fucking penis I don't want these boys ones I'm not a boy I don't want them I'm not going to wear them. I'm not a boy. Don't put me in boys' clothes. I'm not a boy. I don't want these fucking stupid boy pants. Like, and I, I don't, I just, it really upset me. And anytime, like, and I just think about how trans people must felt growing up facing it every single day. And like, you know, and this, this was just one time. And it was because my mum was being stingy, <laughs> you know, and I didn't, I got, got the girl ones through such a tension. I got, got what I wanted. Yeah. But like, and as a, you know, a cisgender person, that's probably the only time I'll experience um, 
gender dysphoria like that but it I was so upset like visceral like I felt it in my bone that I was like I don't want these stupid penis pocket tights like I it it just made me feel so weird and off and I was like I hate this and so and that just created such a strong reaction in me that and I think a lot of the people who were like fuck trans people blah blah if you a lot of the men who are like that, if you put them in a fucking dress and told them they had to wear a dress every day of their lives, they'd be pretty fucking upset about it and they wouldn't yeah, cope. Yeah. Like, yeah. and they, they would feel like um, feminized and weird and like they didn't, that's not how they are. So that's what I think. Like, I just think that's how I feel about trans people. Is if I felt like that from one piece of clothing I wore in a changing room for 15 minutes and I'm going to say, 2010 and I still remember feeling that strongly about it that's how they must feel every day of their lives when they had to live for years and years and years some people don't some people transition early on which is great some people don't transition until they're like 50s 60s like and it, that must be really really so damaging to your psyche to pretend to be someone you're not or be forced to dress a certain way you know for years and years and years like it's just awful so that's what I think when people are making fun of yeah just shitting on trans people for no reason because it's an easy laugh or it's an easy get like that's just being a dickhead i don't know yeah i just i think i think your experience your experience you must look at that experience now and whilst it was shitty at the moment that's given you an insight that is is invaluable that's a what an amazing i mean not in the moment but on reflection what an amazing opportunity to be able to speak like someone i mean it's completely off track here but someone talked to me the other day about anxiety don't suffer from anxiety don't understand what it means really but they were like you know when you go on stage and i'm like yep yeah like you know the nerves the butterflies the nerves you feel before you go on stage and straight away i was taken to i once emceed a concert in front of thirty thousand people so you know that's a that's a big audience to be standing up in front of and talking to. And although that I was working for a radio station, so typically it was an audience who most of them sort of loved the station. So it was a safe space. Yeah, yeah. It was a safe space. Um, I I thought back about that and I was like, shit, I can now I can now quantify what this person says when they're talking yeah, about anxiety. Yeah. And I thought about the adrenaline yeah, and yeah. the butterfly. If I had that twenty four seven, that would be debilitating. So yeah, so yeah. The context on it really helped me and you putting that context on view that's an amazing that's an amazing experience in a you know in in hindsight i reckon um yeah, yeah. Well, i'm lucky that my mom my mom was stingy because now i have empathy so, um <laughs> but yeah i but i think for anxiety i have that that's my job like every day every time i do a gig i get the shits because i'm just like oh and every time before i'm about to go on stage i'm like I hate comedy. I've never said anything funny. This sucks. And then I'm on stage and I'm just like, attention, attention, attention. Yeah. Is that your, is that. your happy space? You're like being on stage. Is that your happy place? Yeah. Like, once yeah, you're there? Sure. Sometimes, sometimes no, <laughs> depending on how it's going. But majority of the time, yeah, I just love it so much. And I think for me, like the lockdown really cemented how much like stand up is my purpose and how it's just, it's my everything. Um, and like I didn't realize how much I missed it until we were like months into lockdown and we were doing um this gig this like audition for something and I was devastated that we didn't get to like do it in person because usually it's such so much fun you get to hang out with everyone and people you haven't met before and like it's like networking but it's just hanging out like comedy networking is just having fun 
um, and chatting to people and I'm such a people person. And I was just like, I called one of my friends who doesn't do comedy, cried to her. One of my friends who is a comedian cried to him. <laughs> like I just was so sad that, that this was what it had come to. And I think, but then of course, as, as soon as we're out of lockdown, I'm like, oh, I can't be fucked with this gig. I don't want to do this. <laughs> but it's just, I think it's just, but then it's, yeah, as soon as I'm on stage, I'm so happy. And as soon as it's done, I'm so relaxed. But it's like, I did a bungee jump um, for my birthday this year and my mum paid for it. Um, and I got, I was like, yeah, this will be fun. I'm a bit nervous. It'll be great though. Got to the edge of the bridge, got like the, you know, the vertigo, like, zoom zoom and pan out at the same time and just like was like oh my god I don't this is the most scared I've ever been in my life this is not fun I don't want to do this I can't like I just can't jump off this bridge I I'm not doing it and then I look over at my mom and I'm like oh I'm like if I don't jump I'm she can't get a refund I'm never gonna hear the fucking end of it <laughs> I'd, I'd rather die on the way down than deal with peer that pressure. yes peer pressure yeah, it was awful <laughs> And I got to the bottom, you know, you just like hang upside down. And I was just like, this sucks. And um, and I'd always wanted to do it my whole life. And I did it. And I was like, I hate this. And the people <laughs> at the bottom who like unhook you and put you in the little boat was in Queenstown. They're like, oh, did you have fun? I was like, no, that sucks. I'm never doing it again. And I'm never wow. that rude. Like in a restaurant, if I don't like the food, I'm like, oh, yeah, it was great. Like I'll never say anything because I feel bad that I haven't liked something someone's put some hard work into for me. But I was like, that sucks. I hate it. I'm never ever doing it again. Um, and I just felt, yeah, I had like, but it's like, that's what stand-up is like. And now I don't get, there's been times where I've almost blacked out from nerves. Like I've blacked mm-hmm. out for like a second because I'm freaking out so bad and I just want it to go so well. But that only happens in like a very, like an important gig or the, if there's someone, I want to impress. Like if there's, you know, if there's good comedians, I want them to think I'm a good comedian. So I'm like, this better go well. Um but yeah, I I just had this big adrenaline dump and I felt shaky for days. But also, as soon as I got back up to the top and I thought it was like fifty bucks to go again, I was like, "That's still it's just." And my mom's like, "No, you're not. You just made such a big deal about it. You're not doing it again." I'm like, yeah, "Fine." So but, the second so the second jump was like a quarter of the price because you'd just done one. That was that what you saying? Yeah, yeah. Ah. So I was like, and that's how they get you because I was like. That's a bu- and I was like, I kind of want to do it again. <laughs> like, even though I was like, I hate this. This is, I was like shaky the whole rest of the day. I was so stressed. Like, I was like, shit, maybe I'll do it again. And that's kind of what stand up's like is like, you like, you feel like shit. And afterwards, you're just relieved it's over. And then you're like, oh, maybe I'll do it again. <laughs> like, and that's kind of how you just you start it. I think the first gig's always the worst. The first, first gig is like so scary because you don't know what to expect. But when you know what to expect, you're like, oh, this will be fine. And even if you're bombing for 10 minutes because the crowd hates you, you're like, whatever. <laughs> you're like, there, there's that adage of, um, you know, it's like uh, the naughty kid. One of the reasons the naughty kid, quote unquote naughty, the kid that acts out is any attention is better yeah. than no attention at all. So oh, a, yeah. a, bad, a bad bomb is better than, than maybe than not than sitting in the audience and thinking, I wish I was up there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And if a gig's going well and I'm there to like watch a friend or something, then I'm just like, fuck, I wish I was doing this. Like yeah. I'm always on the day, like tonight, I don't have a gig tonight. And I'm like, Oh, thank God I don't have a gig. And like, sometimes if I don't, I'll go and hang out for like, um, at the classic or whatever. And, and then if I'm not on, as soon as I get to the gig and it's, if it's a good gig, I'm like, fuck, I wish I was had a spot. I wish I was up there. But if it's going badly, I'm like, shame. I was going to say as well, people who are watching, not listening, 
looks like we've uh it looks like we're in the same room. If you have a look at where my white wall starts here, oh, and then funny. goes through into your white wall. <laughs> I'm almost expecting my right, finger right. to come out the other side, but oh, it's wait, not. Oh, wrong side. The wrong side. The white wall oh, going yeah. into the. It looks like we're just really? set up. I'm doing a terrible the... job of this. I was trying to wait. How am I? Trying, I'm reversed. You're trying to ET it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you I've go. Got so I've got nails. Oh, there you Ooh. go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um. I wanted to ask you, and I know this is a gig that you've already finished, but I read a um, post the other day mm-hmm. by one of the guys who works with the Chills down here in Dunedin, and it was a long, it was a long, a long post on his Facebook page, talking about, uh, "Hey, Prime Minister, you know, we fronted this campaign. We, being the art industry, fronted mm-hmm. this campaign to help people go out and get vaccinated so they could enjoy summer. You know, we gave up our time and we gave up our music and we did this and we helped you get them, and now that." Uh, you know, that there's this other variant here where the ones that seem to be getting shut down as well. Yeah, um, yeah, this was yeah. a this was a gig that a bunch of comedians are doing a lot at the moment, the Great Kiwi mm-hmm. Summer Comedy Roadshow. And I talked to yeah. uh, Jeremy Elwood the other day, and he said it's not really a tour. It's like people are going out and doing gigs and going out and doing gigs and going out and doing gigs. Um, but has that all stopped because of the traffic light? Red traffic light, red, whatever we are? Um, red? I think there's one gig that's going ahead in their Wellington, but they've had to like do three separate tents or something like they're being really right. safe about it. Cause there's like a few hundred people. Um, and I think they've managed to, they've managed to set it up that the, the group, different groups of hundred won't interact. And, but, they, but they've been working with the, I think the ministry of MBIE, I'm not sure, ministry of business, innovation, education, I'm guessing. Um, in, I don't know. I think the E is enterprise. Enterprise, that's what I said. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and I think also the COVID or the Ministry of Health or whatever, they're getting their information from like they're checking with government departments. And so we're lucky we squeaked these in in orange because quite a few of them couldn't yeah. have gone ahead or they, you know, we wouldn't have got, um, we wouldn't have got good pay for them and stuff. And doing gigs out of town, the pay has to be good because it's, you know, it's a bit of a hassle. Sure. But, um, but yeah, but then so that's they've got one that's going ahead, but I think the rest of them aren't because they're in like Mochuaca, which is like you know near Nelson, and it's where they're having like a big Omicron outbreak and stuff. So I think they're straight oh, up sure, yeah. some of them. But comedy definitely struggles. Like I know, um, do you know Brinley Stent who won the Billy T last year? No, I'm not um, sure. Oh, she's she's a um, really great um, improver and and she was on Taskmaster. She's amazing, um, but she has just had to cancel her like um, she was doing a return of her Billy T winning show at the basement next week, and that's been cancelled. And I know that in Red Comedy Fest is in May, and in Red I think the basement goes from like 120 seats to 40 seats, which is wow. like a third. You're not going to make any money, you know, especially like with all the all the stuff uh, yeah i'm hopefully fest can go ahead in orange or green by then um i'm not sure but it's yeah it's like i'm supposed to be doing Deneen fringe in march and i'm yeah just not sure if we'll be in green because if, if it's red it's kind of like especially if you're in those smaller venues and it's just you who has to pay for your own flights for your accommodation for your poster for photography for the poster like all you know there's so much stuff that goes into comedy that people don't realize um and like uh yeah it's the costs are huge and if you if fest gets cancelled or your gigs get cancelled you've lost 
so much money like it's just for, like gigs can still go you know the classic but it's like I think that's a 120 room and it's 60 at the moment and everyone has to be spaced out and it's like really um people don't want to some people don't want to perform because they're yeah. safe performing in like bars and stuff I will say every bar I've gone to has been really good with the vaccine passes and stuff but like and when we were on this tour, because it was regional, you know, sometimes people, I know people regionally have been a bit, you know, vaccine hesitant or said that they haven't cared about it. But all the bars were like, even like the RSAs and stuff were hard out checking vaccine passes, which was really good. But comedy is kind of fucked, <laughs> like in red. So I think it's an artist, I really want an artist benefit because I'm on the regular benefit <laughs> at the moment. Um, and being on the benefit fucking sucks. It's like no money. Um it's like 300 I think I'm like three 390 a week and that's benefit and accommodation supplement and that's like you know it's I think it's like 18k a year or something it's fuck all it's so it's hard to live like it's you could survive on but you could just stay in your house doing nothing but it's like and then I'm lucky that I get you know because I've started getting tv stuff I've um I definitely have times where my money where I'm doing okay and I can survive but like it's especially because I'm six years into my career and it's like this is my friends who are my high school friends who are six years into their career they're on big pay rises you know they're doing yeah, really sure. on a big salary they're doing great and I'm like at a point in my career where I'm like guess I'll go on the benefit <laughs> like because I was I was working at flight center so obviously immediately lost my job I, yeah. I literally I, I was off yeah. sick for a, a week with glandular fever went back we're a week and a half, couldn't get into a doctor. So even though I was feeling better, I still sounded terrible and eventually got into a doctor. The doctor was like, just take the rest of the week off, go back on Monday. I was like, fine. Come back on Monday, got made redundant by 11.30. Wow. And then they announced lockdown at 1 p.m. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going back to Christchurch. That was the very first one. And then I applied for lots of jobs. I couldn't get a job. And then I was like, maybe I, I guess I'll just do comedy full time because I got some good opportunities that had come up kind of last minute that I couldn't like there was tough stuff I had to turn down when I was working full-time at flight center um because that was a very demanding job and um then like being 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 poor poor but time rich is very good um but that's how people know you're taking your career seriously but yeah. like I I wouldn't have had to go back on the benefit if we weren't and I'm definitely very for red I yeah I, I don't know about another like lockdown lockdown because Omicron seems so um infectious i don't know what the end point would be for us but you know like i don't know if it would just be i don't know if we could even get back to zero but i think red is good for the community bad for arts which is a sacrifice we have to make but like it just sucks that in lockdown like if i was on the benefit in lockdown i wouldn't have got any i got kicked off the benefit because the wage subsidy was high and because i'm like a contra i'm a small business but yeah. there's no support for like beneficiaries who like just had to be at home couldn't do anything or couldn't you know couldn't work couldn't people who were looking for work couldn't get a job because no one's hiring in lockdown like it's just yeah there's this two-tier beneficiary system which fucking sucks but like they used to have an arts benefit and that would be really good i just wish they'd raise the benefit to what the wage subsidy was which is just mm. livable levels it's not mm. even it's not even the living wage it was just um you know, I know people who are getting wage subsidy who are complaining and I'm like, yeah, if you're on the benefit, you'd be even on, on even less. Like you wouldn't be able to live and people just have no, I think people just think beneficiaries are lazy or 
but some people sometimes you just lose your job and you just can't, it's really tough to get another one because of your circumstances or you know the the um like hiring um situation I guess like um yeah. but I think yeah I think arts is cooked at the moment I think we definitely need support from the government and the wage I saw something originally the wage subsidy was going to continue in red and it should because anything over a hundred people can't happen which is like not a ton of gigs but a lot of gigs are getting cancelled because a lot of bars are like cutting capacity and can't afford to pay an MC or whatever to host a get an open mic and no one makes money off open mics don't make any money anyway um but I know that yeah the classic it's really hard time for them um which is where a lot of people in comedy started their careers um and like wouldn't have regular gigs without it um regular paying gigs and yeah I think that we definitely need like wage subsidy or some sort of support because now is a bad time to be a self-employed contractor in the arts um, totally I know. remember I was it was uh, when Helen Clark was prime minister that's when we had a artist's benefit because a lot of people who were I knew a lot of people at that stage who were trying to yeah, you know, yeah. start bands that kind of stuff and that were in and I, I was just wondering the um the arts taking the hit at the moment, maybe more so than many. There are other businesses that are more restricted, but the arts seem to be cancelled. But then, as, as I'm saying that, the story just pops up on my feed that there were something like 8,000 people at this festival, Sound Splash. Mm-hmm. And at that festival, there was quite a number of COVID 19 cases. So, that I don't know, not, not to say, so yay, we can. We can close the arts down, but but it's. Well, I guess it's, that's why we're. Oh, yeah, that's why we're in from, red. Yeah, and it's a bit different from being down the local dairy with four people. Yeah, you don't, yeah. you don't typically. You know, it's, it's. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I remember talking to some American commentators when this all started. It's funny you're talking about Dunedin Fringe. That was exactly when lockdown started two years ago because I, I yeah, wasn't working. I, with, I wasn't working with them, but I knew them and I'd spoken to them numerous times and they pulled me in with like three or four days to go saying, how do we live stream? And um, we were going to set some live streaming up for them and it all kind of, all kind of fell over, but it was like a, let's do a virtual, virtual fringe festival and sell tickets and put it behind a paywall and still sort of do it. Didn't end up happening. But as you were saying, the fringe festival just reminded me that was exactly when we went into lockdown in 20, yeah. 2020. So it's the two-year anniversary, I guess, coming up of that. Yeah, yeah, and that's because I remember when um, when it got cancelled, I was relieved, which is very selfish of me. Um, but because uh, I was supposed to do my twenty nineteen best newcomer show, which I hadn't right. done. Yeah, it was going to do. I hadn't done it like since May, since the festival, and I was going to supposed to be doing it in March at Dean Fringe, and I just felt like I was. I let go of that material and I didn't want to do it and I couldn't be bothered because a lot of it was like about a breakup and I was like, I don't care about this breakup anymore. I don't want to be back in that place. But um, that's the problem with writing jokes about ex-boyfriends is you're stuck yeah. with that joke for a while. But um, yeah, it's really, I hope it can still go ahead. It'll be really sad if it isn't. And I feel really sad for the other artists and the people because so much work goes into putting on a festival and as artists, like a lot of work goes into preparing for it, but that, you know, coordinating all those artists and everything, a lot of work goes into that. But like, yeah, I didn't do it last year because of um, financially, I wasn't in a position to book flights to Dunedin and, and um, you know, have 
pay for accommodation and be eating out every night, you know, like, um, so, and this year I'm lucky now that I have like a manager and stuff. So I get as if support with things like that. Um, and it comes out of my show's budget, what it makes it end. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of better, but it's, yeah, there, there's definitely like, I think it's, I think it's good that we're in read. I definitely think, yeah, the problem with having some like 8,000 people, a few mm. COVID cases, hopefully the vaccination, like, because I all have vaccination policies, hopefully that will slow the spread and stop it from being like a super spreader event. But like, yeah, like I've had a friend who's had to cancel her wedding or postpone her wedding. Um, wow. That was supposed to be next, next week, uh, next month, sorry, up north. Um, and she's really upset about it. And still there's been people who've been really, who've been kind of mean to her about it. And like, it's not her fault. Like she didn't invent COVID. Um, mean to her? Why like, mean to her? What has she done wrong? Oh, uh, just like, no, just but, but being like, oh, people have spent money on this, blah, blah. And it's like, it's not your wedding, cunt. Fuck off. <laughs> like I'm just I'm fired <laughs> up about it because I'm a bridesmaid and I'm in, the bridesmaid in charge of <laughs> Of getting fired up, I've been designated myself. Um, but yeah, like it's everyone has it's been making sacrifices and everyone has to lose. And I think, I think a lot of artists aren't up. Well, they're upset about it's devastating to cancel something you've worked so hard on, or your wedding and stuff. Like a lot of artists are upset at missing. I think most people though are then pissed at the government for being like, yeah, two shots for summer, two shots for the festivals, like blah blah, and then cancelling like using the arts as a way to because there's a ton of young people who are probably like i don't know what's in the vaccine and then they're like oh but i'm gonna get it so i can go to um rnv and do yeah, sure. um, mtma and a portaloo but um because i know what's in that but um the uh i think people are just upset at being like kind of like you're on your own now yeah like sorry yeah. like thanks for helping us get everyone vaxxed and like which is amazing um but yeah, sorry, everything's cancelled and you can kind of get fucked. I think yeah, there's like I'm... some support, but some of it's only for events over 5,000 people, right, um, right, right. which is, yeah, like RMV or whatever. Um, and like for someone like me, I'm not doing events over 5,000 people, but I'm still, <laughs> you know, financially losing a lot. Um, and it's really, it's tough and it sucks. It sucks too because then like, yeah, I, I was vaccinated since before lockdown, but I still, you know, stuck to the rules, stayed home. Um, and, like, it, it's, I, I feel like, as well as a lot of Auckland, like, we've all sacrificed a lot. And, but some, and we were, the way Chelsea was the only good thing for me about lockdown, so part of my credit cards. But um, it was like, yeah, we just need, individual artists need help because there's like, yeah a ton of stuff that's going to have to get cancelled, not just, yeah, not just big, huge festivals where hopefully they have outside of insurance. I think you're right. Yeah. I was going to say before that I was talking to an American commentator last year and, and I was talking to them about, you know, there was some hairdresser who opened up her store illegally and, of course, Fox News was like, mm. she's a patriot, she's a hero. And the, the, the difference was when I was talking to this commentator, he was in support of her opening her store store because she's a bit of a he's a bit of a nutter which is fun um <laughs> but the thing that i realized is in america they were having the rest which they're not now but they were having the restrictions in 2020 like us but they were having no government support so in other words if a business yeah. shut, just shut so it's like i always always feel that if the government is going to insist on a measure 
that causes restrictions, that causes lack of income, then they yeah. must yeah. replace that income. They must. Yeah. And if they don't, they shouldn't be putting restrictions on. And not, I'm also, I'm a fan of traffic like red. I'm, I was yeah. a supporter yeah. of the lockdown. I'm, I have no problems with giving the government credit for, you know, keeping us out of what the rest yeah. of the world has been through for a good long time. But I still say if they're going to make decisions that impact the bottom line of individuals and businesses, then they 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 must replace that money. Or yeah. you know, we have a we we have a and we've just seen with Tover O'Brien going through her um restraint of trade yeah. thing, which is ridiculous because having worked in the industry, everyone signs a restraint of trade. So it would never yeah. to me yeah. it was a big story. But there is something in legislation about having the right to earn as well. Um yeah. and yeah. I, don't, I can't cite it exactly, but there is a part of the legislation about work that we have the right to earn and yeah, shutting down yeah. businesses without, uh, you know, reimbursing them for what your rules have caused them to lose. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if, there's a, if there's a legal loophole there for some businesses. I don't, I don't know, but that's, but yeah. it's, it seems to me that it feels to me, and I'm not a, you know, died in the wall um labor supporter or anything but as i say credit where credit's due for the first first especially the first 15 16 months some more yeah, criticism yeah. there enough around delta maybe some more around omicron but yeah. omicron. um but i i i don't think that they're trying to turn us into a communist state and i don't think no, they're trying no. to turn us into an authoritarian you know hellhole um i no, think no. we'll probably either see one of two things happen and that's uh, omicron scream through the country because Australia's yeah. had the same restrictions as us and they've been having a hundred thousand cases a day, which per capita is more than America. Um it'll scream through the country and which means it'll be a, a, a massive problem for the healthcare system, but it'll be done quite quickly. Probably unfortunately incredibly sadly more people dying. Um yeah. or it will take three months. Yeah. You know kind of get through slowly methodically which i think is what they've been trying to do to manage yeah. that and whilst that's been frustrating if we're still having these conversations in october uh you'll probably see me out there or on some of those marches saying it's time you know yeah. so for me someone who supported the cases so far i go you know you've got you've got three or four months jacinda yeah and team around you and at that stage we can't I mean, it's not even, not even for me. Actually, lockdown has been quite a successful time for me because I've had access to people who have been in lockdown yeah. and in MIQ. And, you know, I talked to to Russell Howard when he came across because he was sitting in a hotel oh, room for 14 yeah. days. And so it's actually been quite a good time for content uh, creation. Yeah, I'm sitting yeah. in my home right now in shorts and, and, and my hoodie working, <laughs> you know, but I still think that there is a, a bigger picture and, you know, I, I don't want to say exactly three months, but I get the feeling that it'll be, as I say, ripping through or let's say three to five months. If it's basically not, we're seeing America start to tail down now. If we're not yeah. seeing more of that tail down in that time, then then I think the whole country will be in one voice that something different has to be done. Just my opinion. But Yeah, I reckon, I mean, I think, as soon as people start getting really, really sick, they'll stop complaining about restrictions. As soon as, like, their loved ones start getting – them or their loved ones get really sick and start dying, yep. Yep. hopefully they'll they'll realise, like, we have been 
so massively lucky to get to the yep. point we were at without we lived all last year basically no restrictions you know yep. like just and and there's been like my friend was in the uk and she was in lockdown for like 18 months like and now she's back here and it's been yeah it's like in auckland like the rest of the country is so lucky that it was only auckland in lockdown for four months which was yeah. awful my mental health was <laughs> like like i used to go for two hour walks to western springs and it got to a point where i couldn't be alone with myself for two hours I couldn't be alone with my thoughts that long. So I had to stop doing that because I just couldn't think for that long. I couldn't cope with it. So it's like, and that was awful. But I just, I think like my mum's got Crohn's disease and is on immunosuppressants and works at the hospital. She's wow. Not <laughs> she's not, <laughs> but she's, you know, she's just like, she's very blase about the whole thing. She's like, because I was like, should I come down for Christmas? Like, I don't, I'm fully vaxxed. My parents are double vaxxed and boosted. My dad works at the airport and they're wow. like in their 60s. Um, my mom's just turned 60. She's <laughs> very upset about it. But, um, you know, like, and if I, uh, I would have gone through a million months of lockdown if it meant keeping my mom safe. Sure. Like, so I don't, like, the thing is, yeah, it's just, it feels like we're on the brink of something bad. <laughs> and I would at least like some money for it from the government. But I, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I would prefer, I would prefer the restrictions than like, like I have very mild asthma, but still is asthma. So I'm not super keen to get, and I'm double vaxxed and boosted now. I'm not super keen to get it, but like, I, I just think the sacrifices are worth it if we can keep people healthy and not dying. Well, look, I, I actually had I had another wake up call the other day. And it actually wasn't even about the health. I obviously I think most people would agree with you. Well, most sensible people yeah. about being healthy and not dying. But I go to a meeting every Tuesday of kind of local businesses, and we sort of just catch up and we feed each other leads and that sort of thing. And in that meeting, for the first time, I realised a bunch of these people run stores and outlets in Dunedin, and if one of them got Omicron then all the people in that store are going to be isolated for 14 days and that store yeah. shuts down for two weeks. So yeah. it was the first yeah. time I kind of went, the other thing that we should be thinking of is actually we're talking about wanting businesses to be able to open so people can make money. We talked about it today. Um, yeah. The other thing we're doing is looking after those small businesses, trying to keep people in there. Because if, if you're a if you're a shop, if you're, if you're McDonald's in yeah. Kyber Pass in Auckland, you know, I don't think there is one in Cover Pass, but whatever, a new market in Auckland, and yeah. you come in and you're infected, then everybody on that shift is yeah. now in isolation for two weeks. You know, if you're a small business that 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 strings tennis rackets, you know, and and you're and and there's only three of you in there, if one of you gets it, then yeah. that store's gone for two weeks. Now, in the grander scheme of things, that doesn't seem like a lot, but if we get an outbreak of ten thousand people having it then actually the economy is going to grind to a halt and it's going to almost be like a lockdown. Oh, so many yeah. are going to be there is some, I know there is, um, there's like a bit of support if you have to go into isolation um, for, because you have to test, because you've either tested positive or you have to wait for test results yeah. um, because you're a close contact or you've yeah got it. Um, so there's a bit of support, but yeah, that's the thing is like, if everyone, you can't make money if you're dead. Like if everyone, <laughs> 
it just doesn't people are like oh. the economy the economy and it's like the economy is people and if all these people die like in america they've got this huge worker shortage at the moment and they're like no one wants to work it's like yeah no one wants to work for shit pay that you've been paying for years and years and also people are dead a ton of people straight up died so they can't come into work because they're dead. like yeah like that's a lot of people <laughs> that's a lot of yeah. dead people so it's like yeah, and that's the thing is I was thinking at the um, Guildies the other night, I was like, because it, it was only, they limited it down to, it's usually like a big party with everyone can come who's a comedian, and they limited it to 60 people, and we were, you know, seated, separated at tables and stuff, but I was like, if there's an outbreak, like, that's every gig, basically, you know, because we all, everyone works, like, you could be on a gig with, um, like, 10 different comedians and then the next night you're on a gig with 10 more different comedians yeah. and if you've got got yeah. it there then it's like we, our, our comedy industry is not it's small relatively small and so that's like if if, if people at the guildies cost got it then there would be like no one could go into um there'd be no one to do seven days there'd be no one to do have you been paying attention there'd be no one to do the classic like and especially at the classic the classic would have to shut down as like a point of interest or whatever um, place of interest and like um, deep clean and whatever but like also because the work is there there's only like probably less than 10 permanent staff there so then they'd have to go so the classic couldn't open at all so then all the even the comedians who didn't get it would still not have work yeah. so it's like it's yeah the, it's, it's that's why I just feel like we're, we're at the brink of something like not just for our industry but for any industry but like, because New Zealand's a small country, if you take out a big chunk of like a particular workforce, that's a, that's a most of the work. Like, yeah. there only be like ten people. But yeah, it's like, it, you're right. It's stores are probably going to have to go into individual lockdowns because yeah. if you're a close contact, you basically have to go into lockdown for two weeks. And with Omicron, everyone, anyone who is basically in the building at the same time as you is a close contact. So it's like, yeah. It's, it's, uh, so I, it's a, the, the, the revelation I had was, I mean, health is first and foremost, but actually more than health. Hey, um, Liv, I'm going to have to shoot off in a tick. I've got another, um, another podcast to get to. But before oh. we do, I, I did want to ask you one thing, um, because mm -hmm. you seem to be someone who, um, let me just share my screen. Do, 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 do this one. Uh, you seem to be someone who I don't, I'm not sure how you've done this, but you seem to be spanning. Uh, the audiences of competing competing groups. So I've got you here in May of 21 yeah. on seven days and then mm -hmm. July of 21 on TVNZ and then mm -hmm. August of 21 on seven days and then October 21 back on yeah. paying attention. Is, is the work for you at the moment, uh, are you able to, I, I'm surprised that people are able to jump backwards and forwards from TVNZ to TV3 or is it just that, yeah they've decided the talent is the most important thing and we're going to stop playing it. Cause I've always said, you know, I love it when I see, not that he's on anymore, yeah. there's someone who's on CBS interviewing someone from HBO. It's great. I think yeah, that's how yeah. all has there been a conscious decision as far as you know, that they're just going, we want the talent. Couldn't give a crap what else they've done. We want them for tonight. How does that work? Um, well, I think it's um, a lot of us didn't sign the same contract that Tova did, fortunately. Um, <laughs> but it's like, I think the New Zealand, TV industry is so small that if they were like, okay, if you're only going to do, if you're doing heavy been paying attention, you can't do seven days, then it would be the same five comics on heavy been paying attention every week, and then the same five comics on 
seven days. So I think only like I think maybe the the um if the the permanent um if they're permanently on that TV show like Die for example. Yeah, like I don't think Die could do have you been paying attention? But I'm not sure. But like, you know, I don't know everyone's contracts. But um yeah, like it, it, realistically the New Zealand entertainment industry is too small so they cannot like if they if they try to enforce that then they'll be like cool I'm just going to do this sh-. like I'm going to do whichever one pays me better or yeah. put me on more <laughs> and then the other one will be kind of co- yeah so it just it wouldn't balance out like there's not enough people to to not have everyone who can do it on um yeah but even like I was supposed to do have you been paying attention the week after I did seven days but that was like we went into lockdown two days before the episode. Right. <laughs> I was gutted. Um, but I and I'd also I'd bought like a brand new expensive dress to wear that it was just like hang, haunting me in my closet. Um, but Next one. It, yeah, it was. Next one. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely saying it for the next one. But it's um, yeah, it's New Zealand's just too small, so they can't they kind of can't um block it off, which is good. <laughs> If people want to find out more about you, you've got your uh, Twitter there, uh, Liv McKenzie. Yep. Is that the best place to find you? Is there anywhere else if you're going to direct people to what you've got going on, what you've got coming up, gigs, that sort of thing? Mm. Oh, God, I'm terrible at posting. Um, I would say probably follow my Instagram. Maybe I post a bit more. I post like one tweet a month on Twitter. Um, that's the dress, that, that pink one that I'm in the middle of. Yeah, I wore it to the Guildies. That's the one I was supposed to be. Um, uh <laughs> wearing baby and paying attention um but uh, yeah i was wearing it time. but um yeah so my instagram i probably post more like on my story and stuff um twitter i post a little bit um and my facebook page i usually post like if i'm on tv but i don't yeah i'm like terrible at posting um i didn't post i think i just posted photos from the tour but i didn't post any actual um tour dates. i'm terrible okay this, this conversation made me realize i need to get my shit together and Actually, so if people want to find out about you, that's live underscore ing the dream, living the dream, but yep. an underscore and live and ing, live ing the dream. On Twitter, yep. you're uh, live McKenzie, live underscore McKenzie yep. underscore. There's a live McKenzie that's in Scream, eh? Is that who's got all the real yes. things? Yes, there's a yeah. new um, uh, character. I was Googling myself the other day because I wanted to see. <laughs> I, I always want to know. I'm interested to see what comes up because especially yeah, when yeah. I started my career, I Googled yeah, yeah. myself. Now I come up first, I think. But now – it goes Liv McKenzie scream, and I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, can you guys change your name? <laughs> I don't think so. I do love. I really love the first scream movie. Is like one of my favorite movies of all time, though. So I'm pretty. I was pretty stoked that now. With Neve Campbell and those first ones, wasn't Neve Campbell? Yeah, yeah. And Drew Barrymore and um, Courtney Cox and David Arquette. So love that movie. Well, people can follow you on those socials, and um, it's yep. been a whole, whole bunch of fun talking to you. It's one of yeah, those things so that. We just kind of we just kind of talk until we're finished. You know that question that I had for you about um, TV three versus TVNZ was kind of the one thing I had prepared to ask you about. <laughs> and I just got to make sure we're jamming it at the end there, yeah, so we yeah, get yeah. because the conversation went in a different direction. So I hope you had fun. I had so much. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, and thank you for joining us. We really do appreciate it, and I'm sure we will keep our eyes on screens and see you shortly. But um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, look, the reality is, anytime you want to come back, we'd love to have you again, Liv McKenzie. Awesome. Thanks so much, Pat.